This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at uctv.tv slash careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and those in career transition bridge to better employment. Welcome. My name is Jennifer Davies, and I'm the Assistant Dean of External Affairs at UC San Diego Extension, and we're here today for another edition of Career Talk, which is, as you might guess, a t- discussion about careers. <laughs> and today I'm lucky to have Kurt Gehring from the San Diego International Airport, and he is the Director of Talent, Culture, and Capability. Go ahead and tell me, tell me a little bit about that title. What, is, what does that mean? What, is, wh- wh- sure. what do you do? Sure. So I oversee um, human resources, organizational development, and strategic and business planning. And so when we looked at in our last reorganization, what was a way to frame that that was forward looking and really helped the organization see um, sort of where we were going and who we wanted to be in the future? Um, We thought it was much more about talent than, say, per se, traditional HR um, and that the culture was really critical in shaping who who we will be in the future and that in order for the culture to thrive, you had to have the right capabilities on board. Um, and so we sort of framed it that way and have been enjoying it ever since. Do you get paid by the word? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, so so it traditionally it was an HR job, and you said it's changed. And I, I know we've talked about this before, sure. but how human resources is changing and how business is changing – Did you get into human resources and and sort of what was your career path and sort of how have you seen it change? Sure. So I have a very checkered career (laughs) um, in the sense that I started as a legal assistant. I went into restaurant management um, and then went into education and eventually... So in, you're a renaissance man. <laughs> I Well, a jack of all trades, master of none, that's for sure. Um, but for me, the common thread through all of it was the part of teaching, working with, and developing people. And as the market has been changing and, and our businesses are changing so much more rapidly, that part of HR has sort of come to the forefront. So I always, I always frame it as, you know, sort of the strategic part of HR, but it's, it's how do you help an organization um, be ready for the next market trend or the next um, sort of shock to the system or the next um, innovative opportunity and really trying to develop agility and focus and alignment um, w- with all of the talent in the organization. And so for me, that, that is really where my passion is, and that's how I landed sort of in this. I was, I was at the university and working with the Ken Blanchard companies um, and focused around executive development, and a company ended up hiring me um, from that to be their director of training. And then from that, I became the manager of talent strategy and analytics at the airport and eventually the director of talent, culture, and capability. Okay, so that's and that's interesting. So one of the things is I think a lot of people look at human resources as this sort of transactional kind of thing, right? It's a person who, you know, gives me my benefit package, talks me through it, you know, if there's any reprimands that need to happen. But human resources is really changed and it's more of a driver of a business. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. So a lot of what you're describing as the transactional side of HR has been augmented by technology today, right? So all of our benefits, we can process online for the most part, right? And there are even more new and innovative um, services out there that are going to limit the human necessity um, for interaction in there. 
And so the shift has really been around how do I create culture and engagement in the organization and make it an environment people want to be at and can really thrive in. Um, and so that's really where my passion is, is, is how do you um, sort of identify programs, identify you know, benefit packages that are really catering to the needs and the wants of your people in a really interesting and flexible way um, because the workforce is changing so rapidly. So what are some of the changes you see, in, at least in your organization? What are, what are those benefits? What are the things that they want that, and, and attracting them to, to, to be yeah. part of your culture? Yeah, so, um, you know, I look at it first and foremost as the environment, right? A highly collaborative environment. We're sort of moving towards an open space design. So how do we, you know, create an environment where people can randomly interact? I think historically, you know, when you think of where um, HR and business um, functions came from, right, it was very hierarchical and very, you know, sort of segmented into each area. Today, you know, to innovate fast enough, you really have to be able to bleed across those boundaries, right? So it's no longer about, you know, finance, just doing finance stuff. They have to really connect and interact with the rest of the organization. Same thing with HR. We have to be out there in the organization and hearing and listening to things that are happening um, elsewhere. And so for us, it's, it's about creating that collaborative environment, and you can shape that through your space design. Um, I think also, you know, we traditionally have a defined benefit or a pension plan. And I still think that is really attractive to folks. Um, but the challenge of it is is, is there's a, a great expense that's associated with that. And so, you know, how do you um, help people understand the value of that and help them manage the rest of their financial needs in the organization? So we look at a financial education program in our organization where we're helping people to really identify ways to invest and to manage their um their resources successfully so that they can retain their pension but also still live successfully today. Okay, so that makes sense. Um, what are the challenges, I guess, now in terms of creating that culture? Like, I mean, you were talking about, you know, getting, being able to put in appropriate terms the value of a pension, but there's other challenges, I'm sure, in terms of attracting and, and recruiting. Sure. Uh, in today's market, the, the biggest challenge is just how hot the market is, right? I mean, we've had the lowest unemployment in decades and, and people are, feeling a little optimistic. And so there's a great deal of mobility. So, you know, being able to um, really listen to the employees and, and try to structure programs that will keep them um, and help them develop, right? And so a lot of our focus right now is around leadership development, um, around career development, and how do people get the resources that they need to feel like we are not only paying them for a job, but also creating a future for them with us. And then, so, so if you're... It's a, it's a hot job market. So is it a hot job market for human resources people? And if so, what are the, the hot parts within the hot market, I guess? Yeah. So this is an interesting question, I think, because it speaks to your, you know, your comment about transactional versus non. Um, there are certainly uh, lots of opportunities on the strategic side in terms of organizational development, culture and learning, engagement practices. 
and the way technology is now augmenting all of those as well. Um, if someone is on the forefront of, of thinking about how they can integrate that into an organization, those are really high needs areas. Um, I also, though, recognize the value of the transactional piece, right? So even though technology is augmenting things, employee relations, we're all humans, right? I mean, there's... The robots haven't taken that over yet, right? No, and, and they never will, right? I mean, when humans get in a room and interact, there's always some fallout. Um, and so, you know, having the technical competence to successfully navigate you know, employee relations and other types of issues that arise in the organization are really critical. So, you know, from my perspective, I look at, you know, um, the skills that are out there. What you really need is that consultative um, mindset and the ability to really work with folks and understand their needs. Um, you know, the ability to follow through on commitments, the attention to detail, all of these um, sort of capabilities or competencies that um, really make uh, HR folks sort of stand out in a crowd. Okay, and so in general, in hiring, you know, what are some of the tips that you would give to anyone who's going through the job process? Like when when you're doing that and you're trying to select someone, is you know, I mean, th- there's lots of platitudes and stuff like that. But what are some like key things that people should be thinking about as they as they go through a hiring process? Sure. So for me, it's it's a hundred percent about know the organization, right? Every today in today's job market, even though it's a tight market, people want people who are passionate about their organization and what they're doing, right? And so having some sort of sense of what does this organization do and how can I contribute to that is is key. I think in addition to that, maybe thinking about um, you know sort of what you're passionate about and being really clear about how that matches what they're looking for. Um, So oftentimes in interviews uh, that I observe, um, people will say, well, you know, I'm just interested in getting a job or I want to get from this place to that place. And that doesn't really speak to the hiring side of it, right? Because they want someone who actually wants that particular job. And so really being able to demonstrate that, you know, whatever that job posting says in terms of the capabilities that you have that. You don't have to have the exact experience, but you have to demonstrate that you've got that capability. Um, and then last, I would say um, just always knowing when you're going in that it's a, a relationship that you're engaging in. Um, so don't be intimidated about asking questions about the culture, about what to expect, about what the expectations will be of you, because those things will really define your success in the organization if you are selected. What are the biggest mistakes? Oof. The biggest mistakes oftentimes, I think, revolve around, you know, the opposite side of what I just shared is just going in and not really being clear about why you want to work at that organization. What about that organization besides a paycheck is going to demonstrate to them that you're going to be excited, that you're going to be engaged, that you're going to be part of a team um, I think the other big mistake is not asking any questions, right? Well, that's the worst, right? You're like, yeah. Do you have any questions first? Oh, I think I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <And you're> like, <laughs> you have a chance, right? And, and oftentimes in questions, you're learning things about the organization that are going to benefit you, right? And whether you want to join that organization, um, but are also helping you to demonstrate that you actually care about the people who are interviewing you and are taking time to um, out of their day to, to interview you. Um, and I think that's really critically important is to have that awareness that it's about the relationship with people because no matter what role you get, right, it, it's all about how you can interact with and build and collaborate with that team. And so it's a great opportunity to just get to know them. 
One of the um, things that I've heard is a challenge in terms of creating culture within an organization is just sort of the different generations, right? You've got your baby boomers, your Gen Xers, and then the precious millennials. Um, do you see that in your organization? And is that a common thread? And sort of how do you address that? Sure. So over the past five years, we've gone from 3% millennial to over 20% millennial. Um, and we are seeing massive retirements on the on the um, silence and the is boomers. This a, is this when the Gen Xers finally get their day in the sun? <laughs> Absolutely. But the irony of that, right, is there aren't enough Gen Xers to fill those roles. So millennials are kind of in the mix as well. And I think, you know, when I look at the generations, the first thing that stands out is we all want the same thing. We all want great, enriching environments. We want to know that our work is valued. We want to be able to contribute. We want to learn and grow and have development opportunities. So, you know, when you focus on those common things, you actually find great synergy and, and great opportunities to, to work together. Um, the difference is, right, is I think newer workers today are less hierarchical. They grew up in an era where things were immediate and accessible. And so there's not this need to go to the boss or to, you know, expect to be told everything. And so, you know, I think the challenges on the leadership side is, is I always say, you know, find out what it is or explain what you need and then get the heck out of the way. <laughs> because usually um, new workers have really interesting and innovative ways of doing things that add value to the organization and as a leader make you look really good because they're delivering. <laughs> well, it's really interesting. The, the complaints I've heard about, millenn- you know, like the, the yeah. c- culture clash between millennials and, and Gen Xers are like, you know, that the millennials want the love right away. Like, oh, when do I get my promotion? You know, and sort of that. And again, it's the immediacy. Yeah. It's also coming from the everybody gets a trophy sort of. Sure. I, I think that's a little bit of a misnomer. If you look at the, <laughs> the size of the workforce, um, it is true that there's more of an expectation of immediacy in terms of feedback and wanting routine and regular um, sort of recognition or, or um, feedback on the work. Um, and I think that comes from social media and other things where you do get immediate responses and you understand whether it's good or bad and um, and can navigate that. But I think the reality is also that, um, you know, you and I just lost my train of thought there in terms of... Um, Oh, so as I was saying, if you look at the different generations, right, there are fewer Gen Xers. And so millennials are seeing their peers move into leadership roles much more fast. Mm -hmm. And so that is causing sort of that expectation, I think, less than them being so presumptuous or arrogant. There's a little bit of that. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably a a tad of both, but I think it's overemphasized as part of a sort of a stereotype. I mean, and what do you see as, you know, not just in the job thing, but what are, you know, you're human resources, so you get to see all sorts of mm-hmm. stuff. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make when they're integrating into an organization? What are the, the, the head scratchers and sort of, if you could tell me when they're starting a job, like, don't do this. Because, I mean, starting a job is always awkward, right? The mm-hmm. first few weeks and stuff like that. Yeah. But what are some of the tips to kind of navigate that? Yeah, the, the easiest tip and probably the hardest to learn is just to listen, right? Because... Oftentimes, when you sit back and listen, whether someone is telling you, you know, to do something or whether someone is telling you that you have, you know, an opportunity, you absorb and hear things. And the more attentive you are 
to what others are doing, the easier it is to build those relationships and to find sort of the power nexuses in the organization and what works and what doesn't. Because every culture is unique and you have to figure out ways to understand and know that culture. Um, and especially if you're coming out of school or other um, institutions where it's a very different um, playing field and, and you need to learn the rules of the game um, very quickly and be able to adapt to those. And that's a lot about listening and just absorbing. Um, the other thing is, I think, you know, try to build a great relationship with your boss or supervisor. Um, they may have a different style that you're not used to. They may communicate in ways that you're not familiar with. Um, but really trying to understand their needs and meet their needs is what will set you apart initially. Um, and regardless of whether you like it or not, it's, it's always about pleasing the boss in some, some respect, (laughs) even at my level. (laughs) (laughs) But so you were talking about how it's a very tight market, right? You're, you're a seller in a buyer's market, but I'm sure for a lot of people just coming out of college or, or making a job shift, it's, it's daunting, right? It's always daunting. What do you see as some of the things that have changed in terms of job searches or how, how you can go about it? Are there, you know, they always said, you know, change your resume for every job. I mean, there's all those tip, tips yeah. and tricks. But what are what are things that are changing that people should start to think about as they look? Yeah, so um, there are new technologies out there where you can be asked to actually do recorded interviews so you won't even get in the door, right? And so um, the sort of not quite as advanced step of that is doing Skype interviews for initial interviews, right, instead of phone. And so often I find that folks don't prepare for those the same way because it feels less real because you're not going into the organization. Um, Folks aren't dressing professionally. They're doing it in awkward environments where there's background noise or there are things in the room or on the walls that are distracting to the the folks that are actually interviewing you. Um, and those are really important to pay attention to. I think the other thing is with technology as well, you can submit one resume and it can scroll across multiple jobs. Well, the challenge with that is when I'm reading that from the inside, it's not clear to me you want my job and you can work in my organization and that you're passionate about what we do. And so that is a real differentiator. So taking the time to build those nuances into your communication, and that's as simple as always, the one thing that hasn't changed, always include a personal letter that says, this is why I want to work with you and your organization. No, it's so interesting. People think that the cover letter is op- optional. And like when I get resumes and there's it's, no cover letter, I'm like, no, it's so impactful because if you're looking through hundreds of thousands of resumes, you know, on a routine basis and, and just sort of trying to call for that. And a lot of technology today will call out certain resumes. Right. And so you're not even getting a chance to have it be based on what you're putting in there. And if you're pulled out, it's, it's a differentiator. It's something that sets you apart if if you have articulated something that is about them and their organization. And so it's that it's a bit like dating. Right. You would never go to a date and just say, oh, here's, you know, uh, the routine thing that I wear every day. Right. You're trying to build that first impression. Yeah. Take him to Denny's. Wear your T-shirt. No, no, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so is there anything, you know, what do you see next for human resources? Like, is there, you know, we always have to change and adapt. So what skills do you think human resources professionals today are going to need tomorrow? Yeah, technology and um, interestingly enough, finance or math. Um, God, math. Yeah, um, and analytics, right? They're all of the things that are changing all of business and HR also needs them, right? I am struggling to find folks who really understand 
how to assess what they're doing in a way that benchmarks against other organizations and where they can demonstrate sort of the competence to um, articulate that in a in a storytelling kind of way, right? No one likes to dig through numbers, but you've got to be able to tell a story about the value you're adding to the organization. And I think that comes from really understanding technology and how that can help you. Um, it comes from building some basic analytical skills um, um, and, and math competence, and then being able to demonstrate return on investment for the um, actions you're taking. It just seems like the math and the analytical skills cut across everything nowadays. Yeah. It is because technology requires it, right? The, the data is there, and if you don't analyze it, someone else in your organization is going to analyze it for you, and it doesn't always tell the story you want them to hear. So um, it's really important that HR is learning how to tell that story for itself. Well, that's great. This is great advice. This has been a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Okay.